Let me open us in prayer. Father, thank you so much for this day. God, as we look to your word and uh, examine just a few areas, key aspects of, uh, of Joseph's life, I pray that they would just uh, uh, encourage us but also challenge us, uh, God, to, uh, to stay on the path, to stay on the journey, uh, to be, uh, uh, be more and more the kind of influencers and men of, of incredible success that you want us to be. And God, I pray that every person, every man in this room uh, would just, whatever, whatever burdens they've walked in here, uh, God, just set them aside for a season, just for a moment as we look at your word. Uh, whatever brokenness uh, we come in here with, God, I pray that, uh, uh, that we would just set those aside. Whatever, whatever, um, whatever judgment we walk in here with in our hearts, that we have a tendency when someone else is broken or, or shattered or walking through difficult seasons, we, we look down on them or look down on our nose uh, when they're going through hard seasons. God, I just pray that those would go away that we would um, right now together as men, regardless of our age, uh, regardless of our marital status, regardless of where, how long we've been on our spiritual journey, how far advanced we are in our spiritual journey, that we would all step back and take stock on really as we look to the next five years or 10 years or 20 years in our lives, as we think about really what it means to have true success and really not just what it means, what it takes to have a real success. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All right, as we look at Joseph's life, I want to talk to you about what it takes to have real success in your life. And here's number one. You ready? And we're going to see it right here, and I'm going to show it to you in Scripture. If you're taking notes, right here. Number one, if you're going to have real success in your life, at some point in your life, you're going to have to overcome a broken relationship. You're going to have to overcome a broken relationship. Everybody in here, uh, my guess is, I look around, in this room, there are some guys that have uh, been through a broken relationship to, or two in your past. Uh, maybe it was a, a broken relationship with your mom or dad. Uh, maybe it was a broken relationship with a sibling. Uh, maybe it was a broken relationship uh, with a spouse. Uh, maybe it was a broken relationship with two spouses. Uh, maybe it was a broken relationship with uh, people that used to really be your close friends. Uh, you're going to have to overcome broken relationships. Now, in some measure, I've got to own my part, all right? I've got to own my part. I've got to look and say, hey, man, what did I do to contribute to the broken relationship? I can't always just live a life of blame. Uh, if all you do is walk around blaming someone else, blaming someone else, we need to understand that, that we're probably not going to grow very much. We're probably not going to realize, all right, what part did I play in that broken relationship. And the truth is we probably all played some part in the broken relationship. But there's also a truth that we're not always responsible for the broken relationship. I want to say those two words and ideas again. We all probably paid, played some part, and we want to recognize our part. But that doesn't necessarily mean we're always responsible for the broken relationship. And you pick up in... Um, Genesis chapter 37, if you look at uh, Joseph's life, uh, his broken relationship was with his brothers, all right? Uh, had sibling rivalry. And so if we pick it up, let's just uh, start reading in verse 3. It says, now Israel, uh, that's Joseph's father, loved Joseph more than any of his other sons because he had been, listen to this, born to him in his old age, and he made, listen to this, he made an ornate robe for him. 
And when his brothers saw that their father loved him more, Joseph more than any of them, they hated him and could not even speak a kind word to him. So here Joseph, um, it, it was born into his father's life uh, at, um, when his father was at an older age. I've, I've shared with this with you in the past, and maybe, if you've, maybe some of you feel uh, this way as well. Um, I always hear and I always talk about, uh, hear, hear people, I'm not there yet, but guys talk about, man, grandparenting is awesome, right? That uh, you get to hug on your kids, love on them, then you get to send them away, right? You, get, you have somebody else raise them. But part of grandparenting, uh, it, you know, part of the reason grandparenting is so awesome is what? We've got a lot more wisdom under the belt, right? We've got, and they're not necessarily our kids, so we don't stress over every little soccer game, every little baseball at bat. We don't stress over those little things, right? Uh, that's mom and dad's job. But here what you see is, is, is Joseph's father had become pretty much a grandpa when he finally had Joseph. And so for some reason, he had an affinity and a love for Joseph more than some of his older, older brothers. Now, if you look at some of the things that you see in Joseph's brother's life is when the father would say, hey, go take care of the flocks, go care for the flocks, uh, they would get on the backside of the mountain, they would start screwing around. How many of you know? How many of you were that kid? All right? They'd start messing around. Now, Joseph, apparently, when he'd go visit his brothers, he would come back, and he was kind of a blabbermouth. All right? He would tell on his... Anybody have a younger brother like that, or were you that younger brother? He'd come back and say, hey, Dad, by the way, uh, they are not doing a good job. They are not doing a good job. And you can imagine the older brothers. Man, here comes Joseph in that dang coat of many colors, right? Uh, and he built him an ornate rope. They just developed a hatred and a bitterness toward him, almost so they couldn't even say a kind word because they knew when all of a sudden they're on the backside of the mountain hiding from dad, keeping the flocks, and that stupid coat comes walking over the mountains. They're like, all right, clean the place up, boys. Uh, get the sheep over here or whatever, whatever our cattle, and make things at least look right. And then as soon as Joseph walked in, spent a little time with them, then began to walk back, they knew Joseph was going to give a bad word about them. Say, hey, Dad, by the way, they are not doing what you told them to do. Anybody, were you that tattletale? How many of you were the youngest in here? You're the youngest. How many of you in here were the oldest? All right. See, there's a natural animosity between us and y'all. If you're the oldest, let me ask you a question. Let's just be honest. How many of you felt like your parents, if you were the oldest, loved the youngest a little more than they loved you? Yeah, y'all are a bunch of whiners. Y'all just need to get over that. I mean, y'all need to get over that, right? You know, and I will guarantee you, I will guarantee you, if you sat down and looked at my oldest boy, in his eyes, and you said, hey, does your dad parent your little brother who's 16, my oldest is 22, different than he parented you? He would go, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Why? Well, first of all, I realized on my oldest, that parenting style didn't work out that well, all right? Because <laughs> there was a season he looked at me and he goes, do you really want to fight me, dad? I was like, I don't think I do anymore. And uh, by the way, that didn't happen physically. Uh, but that, I could see it. There were times in his eyes. And now it's a joke at our house. Now that he's graduated, uh, our son's come back. He's living with us, got a job, paying for his own bills, all that good. But his whole point is I want to pay off my college debt. And I said, man, you can come back and pay off your college debt, but it's your job, your credit card, your everything, you're paying the insurance. And he's doing all that. But he'll sit around still to this day and just laugh. 
I mean, he just laughs and he points it out and he goes, man, when I was your age, and it's funny to hear your oldest son telling your youngest son, hey, when I was your old age, I say, hey, you know, you sound like an old man right now, right? Right? Because that's what we said, you know, when I was growing up and uh, he's telling his little brother that. And so that's the kind of relationship that they had because there's a natural animosity sometimes between the oldest and the youngest, sibling rivalry. But in Joseph's case, is he would report back to his dad. So let's jump down, uh, jump all the way down to verse 18. They saw him at a distance, and before he reached him, they plotted to kill him. So here's what happened. They're out on the backside of the mountain. They're tending the flock. Joseph starts walking at him, and they have just been seething. I don't know if they'd been out on a night of drinking or partying or what, or if they were really doing something wrong, but when they saw him coming over the mountain, they plotted to kill him. They were out to get him. And so jump down to verse 26, if you're in Genesis chapter 37. And Judah said to his brothers, What will he gain if we kill our brother and cover up his blood? Come, let's sell him. Okay, so here's what you have. You have Judah who they plotted to kill him. They said, listen, we're just done with this guy. And they put this scheme together. And can you imagine these brothers? We're just going to kill him, all right? And then someone's going to have to go tell dad things didn't work out so well for him. He encountered a lion or he encountered a bear, and, you know, he just never showed up or something like that. And so uh, one of the brothers has a better idea. They said, listen, boys, if we just kill him, that's not going to profit us anything. So all, instead of him seeing a coat of many colors, he just sees a dollar sign walking in. He goes, how about this? Let's capture him. He says, we got these Midianites that are always rolling through here. Instead of us killing him and gaining nothing, how about this? We capture him. We sell him. We can put a little kerching in our pocket, and we'll all be better off for it, right? Now, how many of you think, so I don't know if this was a really good brother, the better brother that loves, uh, you know, loved Joseph, or if he was just a capitalist. I'm not sure, all right? But he comes up with this scheme. Listen, guys, it's going to gain us nothing if all we do is capture him and sell him. And so let's jump down and read. Says Judah, uh, so Judah said to his brothers, what will it gain us if we kill our brother and cover, it up, cover up his blood? He says, come, let's sell him instead. After all, he is our brother. He's our own flesh and blood. Now, how many of you think that's kind of an odd way of putting that? Hey, let's don't kill him. I mean, he's like us. He's our own flesh and blood. Anybody ever have that kind of hostility with a sibling? I mean, they did just, you think they look at you and they go, we're flesh and blood, but they hate my guts. Anybody grow up in that house with that kind of a sibling? Uh, anybody sitting at the table with somebody that feels that way about you? Uh, and, and, and so they looked at him, and it's kind of odd if you think about it. So he looks at him and says, listen, guys. We're not going to make anything out of it. Plus, he's our own flesh and blood. I mean, if we just kill him, that just doesn't seem right. Uh, let's sell him. Let's just sell the little guy. And so notice what he says. Jump down to verse 27. He says, come, let us sell him. After all, he is our own flesh and blood. He is our own brother. He's our brother. And it says, his brothers then agreed. So they all come together and say, all right, that's a good plan. Let's don't just kill him. He is our brother, uh, and we can make a little money. And my guess is they all agreed because they 
agreed on an amount, right? Isn't that the way you get get uh, get partners in crime to agree? Uh, it doesn't matter how dangerous it is. They just want to know what the payoff is at the end. Finally, someone says, well, I think we can probably get this. No, someone else says, I think we can get this. And someone says, well, if we can get that, I'm willing to sell him. Otherwise, I want to kill him. It'll be more fun to kill him. But if we can get this, I'm going to go ahead and sell him. So they, they probably put a price on his head. They said, here's what we think we can get for him. And so uh, his brothers agreed. Now, notice what it says in verse 28. So when the Midianite merchants came by his brothers, they, his brothers pulled Joseph up out of the cistern. So they had dug a cistern, they had put him down in a cistern, and sold him for 20 shekels. All right? Now, I don't know how they divvied that up. There weren't necessarily 20 brothers. I don't know how they divvied up the 20 shekels, but they divvied up the 20 shekels. And so here, Joseph starts off in life with broken relationships. Now, that's point number one. If you are ever going to have the kind of success that God wants you to have, if you're ever going to be the kind of man that God wants you to be, if you're ever going to have the kind of influence God wants you to have and wants you to be, you're going to have to get over broken relationships. You're going to have to move beyond simply having broken relationships. You can't let that be the crutch in your life that keeps you from serving God or reaching your potential. I want you to I want to hear that say that hear me say that again. You cannot let the fact that you've been through a broken relationship keep you from serving God or become a crutch in your life that keeps you from having the kind of influence that God wants you to have and being successful like God wants you to be. And so Joseph right here, if there was anybody who could have shut it down, if there is anybody that quit and, 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 and you know, going through and navigating through a, uh, an ugly marriage and a broken relationship and navigating through a divorce is a difficult thing. It is a hard thing to get through. But I want you to know, or, or having some sort of broken relationship with your mom or your dad or a sibling or some really good friend or even someone at the office, those are hard. But you cannot let that become your crutch. You cannot let that become your crutch for serving God. You have got to journey on. And so Joseph, man, for him to become anything in life, and many of us know, and we're going to get there, many of us know that Joseph made something out of his life. But he only made something out of his life after he overcame some broken relationships. Now, as we journey through the rest of his life, he doesn't seem to sit there and talk about his broken relationship. He doesn't seem to spend time using it as a crutch. We're about to see him as he journeys into Potiphar's house. He doesn't say, you know, I'd really be a good servant to you, Potiphar, but you know, my brother's kind of sold me into slavery. And so I want you, I want you to know if you look back on your life and there are broken relationships, even if they are absolutely your fault, you do what you can to mend the fence Ask forgiveness, and then you say, God, right now, what do you want me to do and what do you want me to become? Right now, starting now. There's not one thing you or I can do about our past. There's not one thing you and I can unsay about words we've said. We can't. We can't. But the one thing we can do is not let broken relationships in the past hold us back.
So that's thought number one. If you're going to have the kind of success and the influence, you have to overcome broken relationships. Now, you don't want to necessarily repeat the pattern. You want to learn and glean insight and information. What did I do to contribute to that broken relationship? And sometimes you're, you might be very well, very close to being innocent, but you probably played some part. Some of you, it was 99% on you. You've got to learn from it. You've got to overcome it. Here's thought number two, and we're going to see it in Joseph's life. You ready? Number two is this. Live with integrity and character everywhere you go. Live with integrity and character everywhere you go. Now, again, you can't undo the past. Part of your broken relationship from the past may be the fact that you didn't live with integrity and character. That when you look back on the broken relationship and when I, or the broken relationships, it's because I lied or I cheated or I stole or I did this or I did that. You look back, part of that is learning. But as you journey forward, notice. So now if you jump forward to uh, Genesis chapter 39, what we see is uh, Joseph. Uh, he's been sold by his brother. If you pick it up, reading in verse 4. It says, Joseph then found favor in the eyes, uh, in his eyes, talking about Potiphar's house, and became his attendant. Uh, Potiphar put him in charge of his household. Now Joseph was well built and handsome. Now let's just stop there because that, that's the part that doesn't apply to most of us, right? Uh, apparently uh, uh, Joseph uh, you know, had the six-pack abs. He was a lean, mean fight machine. He was a battle axe dude. He, he probably, you know, that young, uh, the youngest son had that youngest son smile, you know. He just knew how to charm people, right? And, and don't you think Joseph growing up in his house, uh, he, he probably was smart enough uh, you know, I, I think about my past, and I look through my past, and if you've heard my wife talk about my past, uh, you know, I, I loved to color outside the lines uh, until I was 27 when I surrendered the ministry. My wife wanted nothing to do with me, but if you thought I colored outside the line, my brother colored way outside the lines. And you know what? Part of my learning experience, the reason why I was smarter than my brother, is I realized early on I don't want to be caught as much as he was. And so I said, well, I don't want to do this, and I don't want to do that, and I don't want to talk about it here. What? I just became smarter. You know, I wasn't better. I just became smarter than my brother. My brother got caught at everything he did. And so Joseph had learned uh, to... Uh, uh, curry favor in his father's eyes because he had looked at his brother and said, this drives dad nuts, but they keep doing it, so I don't want to do that. What? He learned, right? Man, he learned relationships, and so now he has been sold into slavery. He's well-built. He's strong. He's working for Potiphar, but he's also using his past experience, even in his dad's house, where he looked at his older, older brothers. Then he would stay back at the house, and this is clearly what happened. His older brothers would go out and work. Joseph would be there with his dad. My guess is he heard his dad mumbling and grumbling and griping about the brothers all the time, complaining about they don't do this and they don't do that. In our house, what would they say? You get the tools out. You don't put them back, right? Those kind of things. Uh, pick up after yourself. Those kind of And Joseph learned all that thing. And guess what? Even what he learned through the broken relationship in his father's house is what made him successful in Potiphar's house. Because he came into Potiphar's house and said, listen, what is this guy like? What does he want me to do? 
You know what? The truth is, in your job and in my job, here's a reality. If you aren't the boss, you have a boss. Hey, if you're married, you're not the boss, but you have a boss, okay? How many of you know what I'm talking about, right? There are things that I better learn. My wife is the sweetest woman in the world, unless you do about five things. I better learn those five things well, right? Those five things drive her nuts. Now, when I first got married, I picked up on those five things pretty quickly. That didn't mean I stopped doing them. I just noticed them pretty quickly. There were times when I would do them just to annoy her. Anybody ever done that, guys? Am I the only guy in the wife? Yep, I'd turn around and look back at that and go, it's good. Right? But we all have a boss. You have a boss. You have someone you work with, someone who has authority over you. And Joseph had to understand the reality. He had to learn pretty quickly, what does Potiphar want? And he probably looked around at the other slaves. I guarantee you Joseph wasn't the only slave because it says he became the highest, highest slave in the house. That means that he looked around at the other slave, and he became a better slave than the other ones were. Part of that is, what does it mean? He picked it out. He figured it out. What does Potiphar like? And part of your career path and your journey, and some of you, uh, you are the boss, and some of you are wanting to be the boss someday, figure out what the man in power wants and do it. And listen to this, and do it with integrity and character. In other words, do it the right way. And so notice what it says. It says, after Joseph was a slave there for a while, it says in verse 4, Potiphar put him in charge of his total household. It says, now Joseph was well-built and handsome. That doesn't hurt. Look at verse 7. And after a while, his master's wife took notice to Joseph and said, come to bed with me. But he refused. And jump to verse 19. It says, when his master heard the story his wife had told him, saying, this is how your slave had treated me, uh, he burned with anger. And Joseph's master took him and put him in prison. So here's what happened. So Potiphar's wife began to take a notice to Joseph. Potiphar had taken a notice into Joseph. He said, Joseph, you're, you're good. You, you do everything that I ask you to do. As a matter of fact, Joseph, not only do you do everything I ask you to do, but you do more than I ask you to do. When I ask you to do something, a lot of the other slaves, all those other people that work for me, they'll do it to this level. You'll do it to that level. So I'm going to raise you to the highest place in the highest space in my house, in my place uh, that I have. And as you watch over it and as you see it, I want you to be in charge of everything. So Potiphar trusted him with everything. Now, part of everything means you're going to get pretty close to my wife. You're going to spend the seasons with my wife. When I go away, a wealthy landowner, wealthy this, when I go away, you're going to be responsible with here. Well, now here's what happened. Potiphar's wife takes a noticing to Joseph. She says, hey, He's kind of worked his way up here, and not only is he working his way up, he's a pretty handsome dude. He's in pretty good shape. He's this, he's that. I'm going to begin to take a notice. Now, probably at first, Joseph said, you know, this is kind of cool. Not only is Potiphar like me, but Potiphar's wife like me. And then all of a sudden, it began to go a step too far. And that's when Joseph has a choice to make. Man, 
the boss, Potiphar, has put me in charge of everything. The question becomes, how am I going to relate to his wife? Now, we're talking about a husband-wife thing, but the reality is this. If I have a boss in my job or in other relationships or something that has put me in charge of a lot, the question becomes, how am I going to relate to those things that are precious to the boss, i.e., in his situation, Potiphar's wife? Am I going to still treat them with integrity and character? Am I going to still realize that they're hands-off? Once I get close enough to the top of the org chart in my business, am I going to always look to put my hand in the kitty and grab a little more than I should and take a little more than I should and take a little advantage um, when the boss isn't looking? Or am I going to live with integrity? Potiphar's wife pulls him in a couple of times, says, hey, go to bed with me. Joseph said, no. She says, hey, go to bed with me. No. Hey, go to bed with me. No. What does that mean? In that relationship, obviously, we know he's talking about, she's talking about adultery, and Joseph said no. Now, let me tell you what, from every, from every good intention, it doesn't seem and it doesn't appear that Joseph grew up in a church-going household, does it? He was sold by his brothers into slavery, but he still lived and did what was right and stayed away from what was wrong. Why? Because Joseph understood, at least intuitively, the way to have real success and real influence is as best you can live with integrity and live with the character in every relationship, in every place you are. So Joseph said no to Potiphar's wife. Apparently said no again and again and again. It's not, we're not told how many times. Till one time she finally said, this is going to happen, and she grabs a hold of him. She takes his coat. Second time a coat's gotten him in trouble, right? That from here on out, I'd say, don't wear coats. Joseph, learn that lesson, right? Don't wear coats. She took his coat. He ran off, and she's embarrassed. And so she flat out lies about him, right? She tells a story. Remember, his brothers told a story about him. Hey, Dad, Joseph, sorry, the one you love, your favored one in that sorry coat, he got killed. Here's the blood on it. Dad grieves. She comes in, and she goes into her boss. She goes into uh, uh, to her husband, and she says, Hey, you know, that, 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 that guy that you put in charge, that second in command, uh, he came in and put a move on me. Here's his, here, here, here's his coat. And so what happens? Even though Joseph lived with character and lived with integrity, where did he end up? Back in prison. His brothers, because of broken relationships, put him in a cistern and sold him into slavery. Now Potiphar, because out of nothing he did wrong except for live with integrity and character, he still ends up in prison. What's a good thing for us to remember? Life's not always fair, guys. Life is not always fair. There are going to be times when you're the best worker in the office or best salesman in the house. You do everything you can. There are going to be times that you were a great husband or you were a great dad or you were a great friend or you were a great thing. And guess what? All of a sudden, you're going to find yourself in prison. Why is that? Because life's not fair. If you think we live in a fair life, just read the Bible. 
There's a lot of men and women as you look through Scripture, and they lost everything. Think of Job. What did Job do wrong? As best we could divine it and say it and show it. Uh, he loved God. He worshiped God. He was faithful to God with his tithe and taxes and ha- had a great family and made sure he led them to worship, and he lost everything. That's not fair. And there are times in lives, guys, that, that, that life's just not fair. And the quicker we understand that and realize, the quicker we're going to be able to bounce back. Now, there are times that we find ourselves in the prison of our own making because we don't live our lives with integrity and character. That we do take advantage of Potiphar's wife. We do take a little too much out of the office kitty. Jeff, we don't bring donuts next week. It would not be well for your soul. So whatever prison you're in right now, that's not the time to quit. It's the time to keep on. Now, step back and analyze why you're in the prison. Just like Joseph had to analyze and realize, well, why did I go through a broken relationship with my family? How much is my part? How much is their part? So if you're in the prison of life right now, maybe occupationally or relationally or something like that, ask yourself the question, what's my part? Did I do a lot to get here? I will promise you this. If all the blame for your prison is going on someone else, there are two options. You are either a whole lot like Joseph or you're a lot more responsible for being in your own prison than most of us want to admit. I'm going to say that again. If you're in the prison of your life in a relationship or in a job or in an occupation, you are either Joseph, and God bless you for being Joseph, because I would never say I live my life like Joseph, especially seasons ago, or you're lying to yourself and you're a lot more responsible for your own prison than you're letting on. So here's number three, and I've got about not long. Number three, work diligently regardless of the circumstances. Regardless of the circumstances, wherever you find your space and your place, work diligently at whatever you're doing. My son, uh, who's now at Arkansas, it's funny that the grown-up conversations we have now, and he's in a job, and he's selling. That's all I care. You got a job. You got income. You're selling. Good for you. Keep doing it. And, uh, you know, so we're having those early conversations about, about life and what you do. And I said, you know, son, at this point, you know, your first job and maybe even your second job and your third job, it's not necessarily finding out what you want to do the rest of your life. Sometimes what you do early on is find out what you don't want to do the rest of your life, right? How many of you know with those kind of jobs? All right? You're, you're trying to find out what I don't want to do. Man, I'm just going to, but, but I will tell you, you'll never know if you don't work hard. And that's what I love. He's always had a great work ethic. Uh, he's always worked hard. He's worked willingly. And that's the reality. Whatever you are doing, regardless of the circumstances, work 
diligently, work hard. Jump down to verse 39, verse 20 to 22. But while Joseph was there in prison, where was Joseph at? Where was Joseph at? Okay, how many of you think that sounds like a great job? All right. There's, he's, he didn't get promoted. Potiphar didn't say, you know what? My wife accused you of something wrong. I'm going to move you over to another Fortune 500 company. No. He says, you're going to prison. And guess what? It says, but while Joseph was there in prison, the Lord was with him, and he showed him kindness and granted him favor in the eyes of the prison warden. So the warden put Joseph in charge of all those held in prison. So here Joseph, regardless of the circumstances, regardless of where he was, he was in prison. Joseph chose to work diligently. And so we're going to cut it off right in half because we are two and a half points in to my five thoughts from Joseph's life on how you can have success and influence in your life. But here's the idea. Joseph had to navigate through broken relationships. Joseph had to live in every space and every place with character and influence. And then number three, you ready? Work diligently regardless of the circumstances. So as you head off to the office, if you are a little bitter, here's your mantra on the way to the office today if you hate it. Just say, Surely, this is better than going to prison. <laughs> How many of y'all can do that? All of a sudden, hey, all right? Surely, this is better than going to prison. Let me pray over you guys. Father, thank you so much for this day. God, as we think about these two and a half points we've got to look at from Joseph's life, and we'll come back next week and we'll look beyond this. God, I, I pray that um, you would give us strength, character to carry on. God, I pray that every man in this room, and I'm sure every one of them, that somehow in some space, in some place, they have navigated through a broken relationship. Lord, I pray that they would not use that as a crutch, but instead they would move forward. God, beyond that, that wherever we are in every relationship we're in today, that we would work with character and influence. We'd live with integrity. And then finally, wherever we're off to today, that we would work diligently. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen and amen. Take care, God. Have a good, uh, guys, have a great day. God bless you.